be a special episode minus pretty much Chris and Ashley. Uh, I have uh, Jeff Jones from St. Louis Game Time. Uh, I have Tim from Beyond Checkerdome Podcast. And also I have Mr. Blue's Hat from Twitter. So a little bit of a roundtable discussion to get some different opinions on opening the season. So uh, doing a little bit different format for for a change, and uh, but don't forget to check out our Central Division preview podcast as well. It should be posted the same time as this one, and uh, be ready for opening day, so or opening night technically. All right, well, thanks for listening, and go Blues. All right, welcome back to Blues Hockey Podcast. Uh, host Jason, and I have a little special uh, guest for this quick uh we're calling it a blues round table we're gonna have a bunch of different uh people coming on and giving us their take on the blues uh for this season so we're coming on an interesting day uh with uh, robbie fabry is out for the season so we got something to talk about but uh so uh tim from uh beyond checker dome is with us so thanks for uh, coming on tim i appreciate it right on right on yeah, so uh, like I said, like we talked about before, and I'm sure plenty of people have seen online, uh, Tyler probably would have joined us, but he's extremely busy right now with uh, becoming a father and such. So Yeah, that, that tends to tie up a little bit of your time. Yeah, so, uh, so uh, yeah, hopefully he probably might be listening. <laughs> so uh, congratulations, Tyler. I know you're very busy, so we'll catch up again sometime soon. So yep. we're going to start from right after the season ended pretty much, and roll through free agency mm-hmm. and see how things went. Blues didn't do much in free agency, but had a very big uh, very big uh, draft day. First round, they had a huge day. Uh, probably was the center of attention, which is yep. kind of odd for Blues fans. So, yeah. Uh, traded uh, their uh, pick to, well, to, technically two picks, two first rounders to the Philadelphia Flyers, along with Yori Laterra and a fat contract. Uh, for Braden Chin. Mm-hmm. So I I mean, I think instantly, I think I was 99% of Blues fans were ecstatic. And then there was yep. that one person, there's like one or two people like, well, we lost two first round picks, which I get it, but I, I was always a fan of, uh, we're pretty good on, uh, not pretty good, but I think our prospect line has been pretty well, not replenished, but it looks strong for the first time in a long time. So yes. what do you think? What do you think of the first deal the Blues did this year? Well, that was an amazing deal. Um, while I has, while I have been a kind of an apologist for Yuri Laterra for a long time, even I was kind of beaten down by the combination of all that opportunity and lack of production, yeah. and the fact of that, that big contract. So yeah, I, like everybody else, I saw the need for him to, you know, find a better place, greener pastures. Um, hopefully, Philadelphia can provide that for him. In the meantime, hell of a deal for St. Louis uh, addition by subtraction in terms of getting rid of that contract and, and that particular um, uh, player and bringing on Braden Shin, who, who seems to be all around a good guy, a uh, productive player has some uh, good special teams experience in particular 
which is yeah. something that we can probably use, uh, you know, especially so. Um, and the fact that, you know, we got that kind of return. Uh, as far as the prospects and picks are concerned, I think we can officially close the door on the, quote, rebuild. We're now more or less in a win-now mode. So yeah. that means that we're not worried about what is going to, you know, possibly be a potential in three or four years for a prospect. We need help immediately. We need roster players that can play now. And Braden Shin is definitely fitting that mold. Yep, and I agree with that. I think uh, it's a guy who has played center, as he had been played center much the last couple of years with Philly, uh, due to the talent they had at center. Uh, but right. they had guys that were very uh, – well-versed at center. So he was able to fill in right wing and played really well, led the league in power play goals last year, like beating off the likes of like Ovechkin. Um, I think Corey Perry is usually up there in power play goals too. Mm-hmm. But uh, so that's something that uh, some people are knocking him for. That was kind of, I saw, but I was like, you know what? It's a goal's a goal in my book. I don't care. I give a crap where it's at. Uh, you know, if it's full strength power play shorthanded. Uh, as long as you're putting the buck in the net, I think you're a productive player. So I'll take it. And I think, yeah. uh, you're also getting younger too, not by much, like three, two years or so. He's yeah. 20, 25, has three years left in his deal, around a little over five mil. So you're going, you technically took on salary, but I think, but you're also taking on more production compared to what you were able to tear. It's kind of become, I don't know, really, uh, the skating just did never caught mm-hmm. up to the NHL level, which the first year he was able to make it work. And then, uh, after that, he just, you know, people found out what he was and never kind of rebounded from that. So only 22 points last sure. year. So, and and that's all of us were kind of amazed that Doug Armstrong somehow got out of that contract. Like next to, I mean, I'm fine with Joe Jay Bo Meester's contract, you know, but I know yeah. people aren't. Um, that was your, you're pretty much your big, what the hell are you thinking contract? Mm-hmm. And he got out mm-hmm. of it somehow and got a good return. He didn't have to dump it to people are trying to dump, uh, Latera to the uh, Golden Knights for nothing. Yeah. And we want to be in brain shin. So uh, that's a Not big, uh, that's a big win in my book. So yep. my second yep. deal, once again, kind of out of nowhere, uh, the blues trade with the Stanley Cup champions, uh, Pittsburgh Penguins to pretty much trade up in the draft. They had, they gave up their second round pick and Ryan Reeves for the Penguins. The last pick in the first round, which is 31st overall. And a prospect, Oscar Sundquist, who was pretty decent in the minors last year, mm-hmm. uh, a big center, a third rounder a couple years ago. So he was a uh, you know, decent player. And uh, yeah. they wound up taking uh, the number one rated European skater in Clint Costin, who fell due to the Russian factor. And, I, and, it, and he had a bad shoulder injury as well. So yeah. who knows? And uh, at the time, everybody was super excited about that deal. And it was – borderline Tarasenko level at yeah. times where they were pushing this kid. And I know he's talented. I mean, I watched the videos too and I was excited, but I was like, well, let's see how the shoulder is. And let's see how the Russian thing is. That got cleared up real quick. I don't know about you, but mm-hmm. I was really surprised on that took two weeks and it was cleared up and I'm like, okay, that's unusual. And he was signed and over here. And well, the problem for him was that most of his injury recovery time was over the course of that previous season. So it wasn't that just that he was hurt, but it was he was hurt and held out of games, which is what damaged his draft stock. Yeah. So he was ready to come back. He was ready to sign. 
he gave all the right answers about um, playing in the AHL if necessary, doing whatever it took to get to the NHL. He checked all those boxes, and uh, it was pretty readily apparent when, what was it, like a week or two after the draft? Yeah, he signed. signed. Yeah, that was, that's yeah. what I mean. It was like, uh, luckily the yeah. KHL team folded, or they switched <laughs> ownership, so they released <laughs> all their uh, players, so it worked out for the him. And worked he out the first, Yeah, he was one of the first players that like got out of his deal and mm -hmm. uh, signed, so it was really nice. And like I said, they said talking to him before the draft, he pretty much reminded him of Tarasenko where – he had the same kind of drive. He answered the same questions like, I want to be an NHL player. I want to, you know, if I have to go to AHL to learn the game, I'll go ahead and do it. And uh, so far this preseason, I think he's had those flashes of like, okay, that's the guy I saw in the highlight videos. Right. But you've right. seen him also need the adjustments as well in the preseason. Sure. So, sure. Uh, Blues really didn't go much in the, let's go in the free agency. They didn't do much. Uh, Bo Bennett was brought in. It's pretty much the yeah. Pretty much highest profile person out there, I think, that we brought in. Um, Chris Thorburn was the other one. Yeah. Pretty much to take over Ryan Reeves thing. Uh, yeah. So. It's out though. Would you qualify uh, Thorburn as the poor man's Ryan Reeves? Yeah, pretty much. That's pretty much. I didn't like him in. A, he always seemed to do well against the Blues on Winnipeg, which kind of pissed me off because he did, like he only had like three or four goals a year. But I swear to God, three of the four were always against the Blues. Like, he always seemed to have pot one against us. It was super annoying because I'm like, you suck, man. Like, I know. Yeah, I don't know. So, I mean, I'm, a, I'm curious to see how he is. I've seen him. Uh, I saw him during the scrimmage when I was up there, and mm -hmm. I also saw him kind of play a couple games. And I, I think it's a good comparison to poor man's Ryan Reeves. I think Reeves has got more speed and obviously size. But I think Thorburn's there. He will not afraid to drop him and protect his teammates. So, I'm fine with both of the deals. I think they're both. I think Thorburn was two years. I think yeah, Thorburn was two. I believe that's correct. And uh, Bo Bennett was just one year at six hundred and fifty thousand. I have my notes here. So uh, okay with those. I mean, pretty much. You know, I, I guess we use a Cardinals reference, low hanging fruit kind of deal. Yeah, yeah. Just guys the yeah. names to fill out a roster. Uh, yeah. You could have probably used anybody there. Yeah, so um, I think they got going to the training camp. Uh, I kind of like that they were basically saying we're going to let these guys play it out for all these spots. You know, there's we have a lot of you know bottom uh, bottom six guys that can fill in. The fourth line has been dismantled. Yeah, uh, Shaw was not brought back. He went. Uh, he, I don't know. If, I don't think he's. I don't think he's made the team officially yet. To, as of today, I didn't. I don't remember seeing him get released yet. Yeah, um, I don't know Vancouver. either. So he was on a PTO. Yeah. So and obviously Reeves is traded. So a lot of the old school uh, Blues players were real upset with the Reeves deal. I thought it was interesting. Um, I know a lot of fans were because he's pretty much a fan favorite of. Oh yeah. I think outside the TJ Oshie, I think that was like uh, a lot of people lost it when uh, they traded Reeves because I mean, he's a super awesome guy. Like I've, I've met him a couple times in person. He's just always real personable and. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and you know, it was always the guy in the interviews that was always really hilarious and did a really, you know, outgoing. So it sucks yeah. that he got traded. So uh, he's on a one-year deal, so you never know. But, I mean, you're going to protect the best player in hockey. So yeah. if you do a good job, I think he'll be set for the rest of his career. So um, not, to, not to mention he's already got, you know, an edge on the tradition of former Blues player winning a cup. 
Yeah, yeah correct. <laughs> yeah, he's going on a good chance for, for almost trying to go for a three-peat, so it'll be interesting there. Um, right, right. Let's see. Moving on. So training camp's rolling around. Um, didn't start out well for the Blues. Injuries galore. So uh, the only yep. thing uh, – the two storylines that I pretty much have written down here, and if, you, if you're going to elaborate on those, is injuries and youth. So basically the Blues have brought in – all their top kind of top prospects, I want to say, uh, Vince Dunn, Jake Wallman, Tage Thompson, uh, Clem Costin, uh, even Robert Thomas, I think, did a lot better than I thought he was going to do um, and made a very and good Jordan, impression. Jordan Kyrie uh, as well. Yeah, Jordan Kyrie did very well. And I thought Billy Huso played extremely yeah, well. I mean, yeah. obviously you have Carter Hutton, who is locked in for this year. But I think the way Billy Huso played, at least in the preseason, if he plays well this year in AHL, he just got sent down mm-hmm. today, I believe it was. Yeah. Um, I think he's got the, as long as he keeps it up, he's, he got the backup job for sure next year. So, uh, what do you think about injury wise? Uh, well, it was really kind of crazy. Uh, everybody kind of had the, the consensus last season that the blues were pretty good on the wings, but they were kind of a donut. They were empty down the middle. Mm-hmm. Well, we kind of shore things up. Uh, we, we upgrade on a uh, center position with, with uh, um, Brain Shin, um, well, there's a potential of maybe Fabry playing there once he got healthy. So we were thinking that, okay, well, the, the center situation will resolve itself. We should be good to go for forwards. What happens? We lose a bunch of wings <laughs> to injury. Um, Berglund, which kind of hurts us in both areas because he does play both positions, uh, wing and center. And then mm-hmm. Fabry and Sanford, um, all these injuries coming down, Esteem getting hurt as well, who also dabbles in center versus wing. Um, now it's it's a question of who's going to play wing. Uh, that's not a question most people had at the end of last season, and now that is this, the question of, of this season. We'll have yeah. to fill in those gaps. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. Luck- so, Luck- Yeah, luckily uh, most of those prospects that we named, a lot of them do play wing or can play wing. Mm-hmm. So um, – that's a good thing. Also, too, is if you're going to break in a young kid, it's a lot easier to do that on the wing rather than centered. The Correct. responsibilities yeah. are a little bit less. The, the learning curve is a, is a little bit less steep. So if we're going to have to bring up kids uh, maybe a little earlier than intended, the wing is probably the least damaging way of doing it. So I'm not that worried. I'm a little concerned, but you know, it could be a heck of a lot worse. Yeah. So, and also on defense, you lost uh, Jay Bomeister. So you're number one, well, mm-hmm. technically number two pairing guy. They changed the pairings up, which I thought was a very good move yeah. to get the, get the, I said the transition started because I think Edmondson played soup so well in the playoffs last year and hoping him to take that next step to be, a, you know, a, the sh- shutdown top pairing guy to go with Petrangelo. Petrangelo will be the offensive, mm-hmm. be more offensive minded. Then you can have Edmondson back there to rely and kind of chip in. People are going to hate mm-hmm. this comparison. They're going to super hate this comparison. But um, I, I hope he turns into like somebody like Barrett Jackman in his prime where he can shut guys down, play physical, and chip in a timely goal. And if you do that, you're perfect. Yep. And like, I, I'm a Barrett Jackman lover, so I'll admit it. But, uh, yeah, so I think if he, can turn in, yeah, if, he could, yeah, if he could turn into something like that I, when Barrett Jackman was in his prime, uh, unfortunately Jackman's on shitty teams then, but, you know, that's is what it is. <laughs> but um, 
I think that's a really good move. So Pareko is going to wind yeah. up was supposed to be paired with Bowmeister, and they only got one game <laughs> before Bowmeister uh, fractured his ankle. Um, like, so Gun- yeah. so Gunnarsson got moved into that spot, which I think that kind of a lot of people, including myself, kind of thought if Dunn and Wallman come in and play well, I thought it made Gunnarsson expendable. But I think that just proves that you just can't have enough, you know, veteran guys on defense just in case. Um, right. Uh, but I think uh, so. Gunnarsson moved in that spot and has left that third pairing uh, spot up. So Bortuzzo is pretty much locked in. Uh, I think mm-hmm. it's looking like Nate Prosser is going to be your seventh defenseman, which is fine. So they got that left-handed third pairing guy, and there's a down to pretty much two guys in uh, in my book. You got Vince Dunn and Jake Wallman. I think yeah. Wallman had the edge going into camp, but I think Vince Dunn has played really well. And Wallman, from what I've seen in a couple of games, he's been he's had a really good game, and then okay, and then didn't have a really good game in uh, Columbus last night. So I think he, who knows, but. At this point, um, for what I've seen, I think uh, Vince Dunn might have that spot locked down. I don't know what you think. I don't know if you've seen any of the games so far. But. Yeah, um, I, I saw one of the uh, games here in St. Louis and then um, watched the uh, the Hockeyville game on, on the two when they were um, mm-hmm. playing the Pens. Um, I think you're probably on, on score there. I'm a little curious to know what they're going to do with, or if there's any role to play with uh, Pateri Lindbaum and Chris Butler. Um, Chris Butler is the perpetual, you know, plug a leak kind of guy. If you got a problem yeah. somewhere, he was a guy that always kept in reserve. You know, in case of emergency, break glass, pull out Chris Butler and put him into the lineup. Correct. And so now that we do have a, an injury and a significant one in terms of time uh, to our defense, um, that's always I always wondered if that was the time that Butler gets plugged in. I don't really see him as being the best defenseman to plug into those gaps, but for short knowing, term, yeah, yeah and knowing that down. knowing that coaches tend to be conservative and and put a premium on experience, he does have that. Yeah. Whereas your new kids, not so much. So. I wonder if there's ever going to be an occasion where they're going to lean on that rather than whatever upside you might see. Because Dunn uh, looks like the, the, the guy we've been wanting for a long time for him to develop into. But he still needs some seasoning probably. I think most uh, coaches and, and GMs would rather they get a little bit more time in the AHL before getting pull, mm-hmm. pulled up. But sometimes circumstances forces your hands you know, different directions. So who knows? Um, but uh, Butler and then uh, Pateri Limbaugh, which, God, I'm still in love with what he did his first season up. Last season, yeah, fizzled, got lapped, um, yeah. it seemed like. So I don't know if he could ever recapture that, but I'd like to give him an opportunity and see what he does with it. Yeah, I agree. I think, uh, yeah, that first season we played so well and – then all of a sudden, like yeah. last year, he didn't even get a sniff up here, which was, you know, weird. Because remember, Butler got called up the last game of the year. It wasn't even Terry Limbaugh mm-hmm. who was available. I think he was available. He may be injured, but I thought he was available. That might have been when he injured his shoulder. Yeah. But anyway, um, so there's also been a couple surprises yeah. at the forward position and camp uh, yep. out of all the young guys. Like uh, a lot of people peg Tage Thompson to be one of those guys that was definitely going to be in the conversation no matter even without injuries, they thought he'd be in the conversation because of the way he played at the Traverse City tournament and, uh, you know, all mm-hmm. the talk about him. Um, 
And then at Clem Costa, you know, that's the hype. Everybody thought that guy would be possibly uh, coming in and playing well. Uh, the guy who came out of nowhere, I'm gonna, I, I got the name right finally after so many people like, found out how to say it today. Uh, Samuel Belay. I'll say Blaze because it just sounds better, but Samuel Belay. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. Who came and had 26 goals his rookie uh, season down in the AHL and just come in and mm-hmm. uh, hardworking guy that plays a, a PK, uh, was on the power play. He's been playing the wing pretty much, but on the left wing. I think he's also played right wing uh, in the AHL last year. So that's one position the Blues are exceptionally thin on. Yep. Uh, so he's in a conversation to make the team. He did not get sent down yet, along with uh, they had eleven guys quote unquote cut today. Mm-hmm. Um, he was not one of them. Uh, you know, Robert Thomas got sent back to juniors. So did Jordan Kyrie. But those guys, right. I think, made a very good impression. Another guy that got a lot of uh, talk that nobody really uh, kind of talked about was our sixth rounder this year, Alexi uh, Torpachenko. Torpachenko, yeah. Yes, he uh, he got a lot of a praise from uh, Mike Yo. Mike Yo saw mm-hmm. raved about him and his work ethic, and he's a big guy. I saw him at the uh, prospects tournament. I was down along the glass – or not the tournament, the uh, scrimmage right. at the Mills, and I was up against the glass, and he was in the corner, and he was – he was almost the same, not the same height, but he was up there with Colton Preco, who's a big dude himself. So um, I think he yeah. has a bright, his bright future is possibly a third third liner, you know, if he can work his way and uh, he does well. He apparently in his first couple of games, uh, he already has six points in three games and is a junior right now. So he's starting out very well and carried over. So I think yeah. it's somebody to watch yeah. out for. But anyway, back to the current roster we had. Um, yep. Who do you think is the like? I obviously, mine's going to say Samuel Blay, which is pretty much the obvious mm-hmm. one. But who do you think's been the biggest surprise out of all the forwards so far? The young forwards, to say that way. Well, you know, it's hard to say surprise because there's <laughs> if Blues fans are exceptional about anything, it's hype. Uh, all, all these guys have been well hyped and uh, well promoted. Um, so I'm not quite sure if you can really be say you're surprised by anything, but. Um, uh, I think uh, probably uh, Kairou, mm-hmm. um, as young as he is, um, he's still playing in the juniors. He's a pretty fresh face still. Um, and yet he was holding his own against some pretty good talent. Um, I think that was a pretty good, pretty remarkable thing. Um, I think all these young guys need to look good in a short span of time. Mm-hmm. Um Coaches can be impressed, but I think most of your experienced coaches, like Mike Yo, will know that you have to kind of um, project how is this kid going to play out in the long term? Because once you know you get this kid signed and he's up here and he's got to establish a role, you're going to have to rely on him night in, night out. Can this kid do that? You know, on the long term, uh, some of these kids probably won't be able to, and he can tell that from. Uh, work ethic from how they practice, um, game film from last season, things like that. So they, they get a feel for that kind of stuff already. So there's why they get sent back down. But the fact is that they could still impress at this level, um, being that young. I think that probably Jordan kind of surprising. Yeah. So um, I think, yeah, like I said, I, I'm really surprised on how how many guys are still up here. Um, yeah. They're going to get look like one more game. It looks like they play uh, uh, tomorrow night. They're going to play. Uh, they have three more games. Yeah, three more uh, games. Uh, Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday. Yeah, so, they, have, um, 
the KC game against uh, the Wild. Wild tomorrow. And, and then they have um, a game against the Caps. And who's the On third game? Sunday. I know that the one in the middle I just don't have off the top of my head. But uh, pretty much the last uh, two games, our last three games, are going to go with um, Allen and Hutton is what they said today. So they're probably going to do 50-50 tomorrow. And then mm-hmm. probably each one of them will get a game over the weekend. Uh, so I'm kind of curious to see how that turns out. Uh, Allen has not had an exceptional preseason, but he's also played against he played has been with a very young lineup. So I'm not really, you know, right. Cause somebody tweeted today. It was funny. Uh, I don't know who it was that, Oh, Brian Elliott's playing like Brian Elliott. He has a, he has a 0.80 save percentage. And somebody <laughs> tweeted, somebody, somebody tweeted back. like, yeah, well, Jake Allen's playing Jake Allen 0.762 save percentage or something like that. So, um, wow. I thought was fun, which I thought was funny, but I'm also like, it's preseason for both. I really don't care. So, um, those stats for, yeah, yeah, those stats don't really mean anything. Yeah, uh, they don't show any other games besides Minnesota in the caps. Okay, so maybe there was just two more that I'm thinking of then. So, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, so Allen and Hutton are going to be splitting those, it sounds like. So, that's kind of mm-hmm. interesting to see what they do. So, um Obviously, it's hard to project things now. Let's, uh, the last thing well, we kind of talked about already was uh, Robbie Fabry. Uh, <laughs> uh, God. Uh, yeah, so pretty much uh, – well, not pretty much. He is out for the season. He uh, yeah. played – was supposed to go to Dallas to play and made the trip to Dallas with a bunch of – it was pretty much the young lineup, and he was going to be like the quote-unquote veteran guy going down there for the forwards. And he mm-hmm. was going to get his first crack at center. And then surprisingly wasn't in the lineup. And they said, oh, you know, his knee's feeling a little little wonky or whatever. So we're just going to hold him out just to be safe. And then a couple of days later, there's Jay. He's in the, in the game played. I didn't see that one. It was at home. Um, then they said the next day, it's like, oh, he's going to be out the rest of the preseason with the injury. And it's like, yeah, same knee injury. So a lot of Blues fans are like, uh-oh. We already have already down J-Bo Meester. Alex Steen got slashed uh, by Antoine Roussel. Okay. Uh, I guess yeah. I, uh, you know, I had a hurt hand, maybe a fracture possibly. I don't think they ever said it was a fracture, but probably. Um, he's evaluated in three weeks. He's going to miss the first week of the season. So is Jay Bo Meester. Zach Sanford gets Dimitri Yaskin trying to earn a, a spot, takes him out. Uh, yep. The corner battle on the first day of camp, like within the first 15 minutes of camp, like how bad can you feel for that guy? Because – you're 15 minutes into your, you know, your yeah. first camp of this team. You're trying to make a good impression because you want you last year you kind of came in and did pretty decent for the short amount of time you're here, and then mm-hmm. you blow your shoulder out, and uh, he's out till all oh, six months, so pretty much to the playoffs. Or or he'll be a trade deadline acquisition, as our, as Blues fans like to say, and joke around with. Yeah, right. So uh, without making a trade, pretty much, but um, and Robbie Fabry, so his same knee too, so he has a. And within it was February of of this year that he got hurt. So within two major knee injuries in less than a year. I mean, you're young. He's gonna be. He's not even twenty. He's just twenty one. So I mean, he's he's got you know age on his side that he can recover fast and hopefully get over this. But you got to worry. I mean, yeah, you have that, that. You're not gonna be the same. I mean, in my opinion, like I, I mean, I've had a hurt elbow really bad, and uh, I never. I can't do what I used to for. But obviously, I'm not a, a world-class athlete compared to everybody else. But I just got a feeling like, have we seen the best of Robbie Fabry now, do you think? Or do you think uh, he'll be able to recover from this? 
Nah, like you said, he's got time on his side, youth. Um, it'll probably um, be some time. Uh, should the Blues make the playoffs, um, I suppose the math says that he might be able to come back for that. But I wouldn't rely on it. And truth yeah. be told, uh, what happened just now could have been a result of trying to rush back from from that first injury. So I wouldn't want to commit that sin again. Um Take the season off. Don't worry about the postseason. Should it even be a factor? Don't worry about it. Just get yourself right. Get yourself healthy, and uh, get ready for the next season. Um, give it enough time and enough prep. Uh, I think you can be a fine, and you know, back to where you used to be. But who knows? Everybody's a little bit different. Yep, I agree with you. Just, just sit it out, man. Just no matter what we do, just chill. We got yeah. this. We'll see how things go. Um, like I said, I think the Blues are in the middle of bringing in kind of a, like you said, the whole transitional thing, whatever they talked about. Um, I think you have a bunch of new guys this year that will be acclimated. Uh, I think you're going to be – next year will kind of be an interesting year. So I think next year is more of like what I'm looking forward to. I'm not saying the Blues are writing the Blues off at all, but I just think next year you'll uh, – a lot of guys will be more in position, I think. you know, Who knows where – uh, guys like Jay Bo Meester and Carl Gunnarsson will be after next year. They'll be, they might not even be with the team. Your defense might look completely different. It's going to be interesting times. So take your time, man. Yep, we'll be it. good. So uh, the central division is very stacked compared to uh, when, oh, yeah. you know, it's uh, interesting because I think, uh, let's see, the Predators lost Ryan Ellis. They, they have a big injury. Um, yep. And they lost uh, James Neal in the expansion draft. Um, and they lost. They traded a couple guys away too, as well. They, Mike Fisher retired. Colin Wilson got traded. So they're kind of they're kind of interesting case. Are they going to be able to come back? They they signed Nick Bonino, so who knows how, what that is going to do? Chicago once again had to have a fire sale to make sure they're under the cap. Uh, I think they lost key like key like role player guys in my opinion, and I think that's going to be interesting to see if they can replace that. Uh, made the big trade, got rid of Aaron. Uh, but they they brought back Brandon Saad and they brought back Patrick Sharp. So yeah, so who knows? Who knows? Yeah, so it's, they have an interesting case as well. And Winnipeg, that's that team where they on paper, I'm just waiting for that team to break out. For some reason, they every year just can't seem to quite get over the hump. But they bring in Steve Mason to hopefully write the goaltending carousel they got there, along with uh, Connor Hellebuck will be their kind of a one two kind of the Blues did one A one B with a. Elliot and mm-hmm. Allen or Halak and Elliot or whatever you want to say. Um, so the central division mm-hmm. is an interesting division. May not, may not stack, like I said, but I think uh, a lot of teams that make it interesting moves. Um, so I guess just as far as you can look in your crystal ball, where do you see the blues uh, finishing this year? Uh, it's a tough one, especially with these injuries so early. Uh, a lot of it will depend upon, um, if they dig themselves into a hole in the first half of the season and how big of a hole. Uh, if everybody gets healthy, look competitive at the back end, maybe they can make up some ground. Uh, but if these injuries cost them points in the standings early, that could be, you know, too big of a mountain to climb. Ugh, it's hard to predict. Um, Dallas, okay, first of all, Colorado, they're going to be crap. Yeah. Yeah. Again, yeah, it, that's a given. Um, Dallas is a 
good big question mark. Again, they're great offense, um, but you have question marks. Maybe not as big as they used to be, but still question marks on D and, and goaltending. Um, ben Bishop should help them out if he stays healthy. Knock on wood. Yeah. Um, don't want to wish ill on any of our St. Louis kids, but you know he does have a history. Um, and then, of course, the guys you mentioned, Winnipeg and Nashville and Chicago. Um, it's, it's a brutal division. And Minnesota, for that matter. It's a brutal division. Um, I don't know how our division record was last season, but every point you get in division is going to be worth a, a mint. Uh, if we can car away to, you know, winning those division games, I'll take what happens with the rest of the season. If we do make the playoffs, it's going to be probably a wild card just because of the hole we dig ourselves into. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, think seat, I think it's but, similar to what we had last year where, uh, I mean, I was goaltending guy and what kind of guys in that hole, but, uh, we had that uh, right. we had a hole where they kind of had a really bad end of December through uh, almost through beginning of February where they just did not play mm-hmm. well, and then but right. they went on tear, you know. So and that's the kind of thing you kind of need is like as long as you're playing well the last I say ten to fifteen games if you're playing well and everything's kind of well oiled machine, you can do anything. And I mean, this seems like a lot yeah. of Blues teams in the past they played well for October through, well, you know. March and then they kind of like wavered, getting tired, and then playoffs hit and then hit a wall or just you know a slightly better team. You know, a couple of those years yeah. where we faced the Kings or just hit the Hawks and they were just a, that much better team. And I think if we got by them, we would have had a decent shot at uh, going at least further than we did. So I agree. I think they're somewhere in the wild card spot. And we haven't done our official preview for uh, the podcast yet, but I was thinking of that too because, like you said, our division is just brutal. I mean. Minnesota yeah. is still 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 very good team, like you said. Dallas, with all their, I'm not a fan of all the hype with Hitchcock coming in. He's going to write the ship, and uh, I think Bishop <laughs> hasn't Bishop hasn't been the same since that he tore his hip. Ever since he had that injury yeah. that, when they went to the Cup Finals that year, it was a hip, and then he mm-hmm. wound up hurting his groin because he was uh, compensating for his torn uh, hip, torn I think it was torn labor in his hip, I believe. And um, yeah, he's never been the same since then. Like he struggled last year really, really bad. And uh, kind of never was the same. So he might, you know, who knows? I could be 100% wrong, and he could play well. Like you said, uh, he's a you know St. Louis kid. You want to see play well and, you know, do well, but just not against us. So Right. Exactly. So, yeah, so I'm, I'm kind of, a, you know, just cautiously optimistic. I think that's a good uh, good way to phrase the uh, beginning of the season. So Yeah. I think, like you said, if everything falls into place – I think we'll have a good shot of things, but you know, things have to kind of fall into place and who knows how that will go. So, all right, well, we'll wrap it up there. So uh, if anybody wants to get a hold of you or uh, find your guys podcast, where can they find it? at? Well, uh, you'll find me on Twitter. It's cross check race. Um, talking about everything, including hockey there on Twitter. And uh, you'll find a, Podcast Beyond Checkerdome on iTunes and all the usual places podcasts are found. Um, I have an Android phone. I'll use Pocket Casts. It's definitely on there. There's a lot of other good podcasting apps out there, and you'll catch us there. Um, we're on a little bit of a hiatus right now since my partner is on uh, more or less maternity leave. Yeah, he's on maternity. Uh, he's but, on a paternal leave. So. 
I, I, I checked with uh, Beyond Checkerdome HR, and I was obligated to give him some time off. So we'll have to do that. But uh, we'll be back at uh, before the season gets too old. And, um, yeah, we'll be chatting with you, I'm sure, in the future as well. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you're definitely welcome to come on anytime, especially uh, with uh, Tyler being uh, disposed of right now. So uh, is everything – what about the – is the paper going to be uh, going in the – Yep. Okay. That's what uh, I thought. I'd just make sure because yep. I didn't really uh, – with St. Louis Game Time, and as people probably already know, but just in case, uh, they sell a paper edition uh, in front of every home game, a couple different points out in front of the arena. Um, we'll be back at it again this season. I don't write for the paper personally, although I have ch- chimed in a couple of times, uh, but there's lots of good content. Um, Mm-hmm. If you uh, yeah, a lot, uh, check yeah, us a lot, out of, lot of good, a lot of good writers. Yeah, a lot of good writers, and I love the stats section. The stats section is one of my favorite things. The the, uh, the different things oh, that yeah. they keep keep track of. It blows me away. The records and stuff and cracks me up as well. Yeah. So you got the you got the you got the potty mouth humor plus good prospects plus good stats. Um, keep track of uh, the officials. That's one of my favorite things. Is the officials and what kind of uh, stats they have about. Penalties called for the home versus away team, Blues and their opponents all throughout the year. Also, the building blocks about how each team was built. Those are all good things, all found in the paper. Yeah, very interesting stuff. So I really enjoy yep. it. That's kind of the, the stuff I kind of dig into and like to see every time. So, uh, well, thanks for coming yep. on, and thanks for uh, joining the roundtable. So we'll have a bunch more of uh, people coming on, and uh, thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. Looking forward to the rest of the show. Thanks, man. Thanks, man. Okay, and we're back with our another part of our Blues Roundtable. Uh, so this one is somebody I want to have on the podcast for a long time, and luckily things have worked out in our favor for once. So formerly Hitch's Hat, formerly Ghost of Hitch's Hat, now Mr. Blues Hat, thank you for being on the podcast. Uh, I really appreciate it. Oh, thanks for having me. Uh, should have asked me sooner. I, I would have been on uh, previously. Yeah, I know. It's just one of those things where uh, – it's on my list of things to do, and it's one of those things where I finally sat down and said, you know what, let's make the time to get him on because I find you uh, hilarious on times. And I know a lot of Blues fans oh. go to you kind of first as like the first, you say Blues Twitter, the first person that comes up is, or at least was, it like Hitch's hat was like the first one that always came up when you, if you had like a general person to ask for. So I kind of think you are like the uh, man of the people, I think. Well, thank you very much. I, I, I don't know uh, about being the first source of, of blues news, but, uh, hey, if people want to come and check me out, I, I've certainly got an opinion that I'll be more than happy to share with them. And I think that's why a lot of people like it. I think you come off as just, like, um, inform. I say informed fan because you just, like, that's and when something happens, that you just say how you feel and just go with it, which I really like, and it comes off as just, like, Usually on the same wavelength as uh, I think I am, so that's why uh, I always kind of look at your Twitter and see uh, kind of things going. I like how you uh, tweet during the game and it's exactly how I'm feeling at certain moments. So uh, I find it uh, refreshing to see that online. Uh, I, I tell you what, it's uh, I think I speak for a lot of long-suffering Blues fans. It's it's a uh, very large and distinguished club which we're part of, uh, and hopefully sometime in the near future we will. We'll be able to rectify that and be able to parade the cup down Market Street. Yeah, I hope so too. So, uh, 
luckily, I'm having you on. So right now it's uh, October 2nd when we're recording this portion. So a lot of news came out today, which we'll get to. A lot of the Blues opening night roster, a couple of surprises in my opinion. Um, so we'll we'll go over that. But I'm going to get your thoughts on let's start at the end of the season. That's how we've been going, end of last season. Blues uh, knocked out in the second round by the Nashville Predators who go on to represent the Western Conference, and they lose in the uh, Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, so the Blues obviously had some issues they had to address. Uh, so the kind of the biggest move I think they made, nothing in free agency, so we don't really talk about that. Um, the biggest move they made was on draft night, which was uh, the acquisition of Braden Shen for Yori Laterra and uh, two first-round picks, uh, along with uh, Ryan Reeves getting traded for essentially uh, Clem Costin and also Oscar Sundquist. So that's pretty much the big trade. So do you think the Blues, uh, what do you think of that move, the, at least the two moves that the Blues did on draft night? I, I tell you what, I mean, I, I was, number one, happy to get rid of Yori Laterra. That That is a, a, a big move uh, forward, and no matter how you slice it, no matter what else uh, became of that, being able to get rid of that contract and uh, his a perpetual tie with Tarasenko, uh, the albatross around his neck. Uh, it, it was good just to get rid of him. But, uh, but yeah, I, I think some of the, the moves that Armstrong made were, were surprising and, and, and kind of the Armstrong of old. We, we haven't seen any, any real ballsy moves by him for, for a number of years. It's, it's been uh, the fourth liner here kind of, kind of moves he's, he's made over the last several years. So, uh, so I was happy to see that, although I don't, I don't think we necessarily addressed too much for the short term. Um, I, I think by by moving and getting some of those higher picks, uh, uh, we'll pay some dividends here in a few years. Yeah, so I'm kind of a like I was a fan of the move. Uh, Shen is a younger player; he's a two two almost three years younger than Latera is. Um, uh, tied for the league league and power play goals last year has been. 25 and 26 goals the last couple of years. Um, you know, so he's been a player on the uh, rise compared to, we think where the has been kind of so slowly sloping down. And it came out today that he barely made the Philadelphia Flyers today. Uh, they were between him and Matt Reed, who both have very big contracts. And uh, Matt Reed was the one who was sent to the, gone through waivers today. So Latera is on the fourth line, according to the article I read today. So that kind of shows you that we pretty much picked up a, Definitely a second-line player, but potential first-line uh, uh, center, winger, whatever you want to call him, uh, in the trade for two first-rounders. And, yeah, I think the Blues have done a pretty decent job drafting the last couple of years and uh, kind of have a lot of younger players, so the draft picks aren't as essential. And I think kind of officially the rebuild, I think, is over. Now we're in the – it's the time is now. The window is open, so it's time to move forward. So I kind of – I definitely like the moves as well. What do you think about us losing uh, fan favorite Ryan Reeves? Well, I think you you hit it on the head right there. Fan fan favorite. Um, certainly, he he brought some value. Certainly, he's he's picked up his his game aside from from the physical stuff here in the last couple of years. But I mean, let's not kid ourselves. He he he's a fourth line player. I'm sure, he was a tough guy, and uh, you know. When they sent him out, I mean, he would help uh, enforce as much as you can in the league these days. Uh, but uh, particularly for the value we got for him, you know, I, I probably like Reeves as much as anybody else. But uh, at the same time, I, I look at 
pretty much any player as an asset, and what we got for him was just phenomenal. Yeah, so I'm a fan of it. I think uh, Clem Cosson is going to be a definite um, asset to the team for a very long time. And Oscar Sundquist has seemed, after a slow start, seemed to be kind of turning it on the last couple preseason games. So he's, he'll be useful. I'm not going to say he's going to be a future all-star or anything like that, but he'll be definitely a future uh, bottom bottom six guy that can you know help out on the penalty kill and I bet chip in some goals. So and that's all you really need. And you, and you need you need that depth too. Yeah. So and, and definitely when you have guys that are getting older like a Brodziak who um, contract is up next year, so that might be some quiz might maybe slide down to that role possibly. But it could be a guy who fill in the third line where you're not really okay, Sunquist is on the third line, you're kind of panicking where you're like, okay, he can fill in for a decent amount of time on the third line. So uh, I like that. So off season's over. We get the preseason, and the Blues have basically two themes, as I've been kind of uh, preaching over the, this roundtable, injuries and youth. Uh, it seems like that's been the two major stories. So, obviously, the biggest injury being Robbie Fabry out again for the year, which is a, a killer for the Blues, in my opinion. Do you, What do you think about losing Robbie Fabry? you think it's uh, a big a deal? Oh, or, or do you think it's kind of a move that it could overcome, or what do you think? No, I think it's 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 a terrible deal. You know, when when we're already clamoring, wanting to pick up some some more uh, you know impact players uh, rather than stocking our shelves full of third and fourth liners, uh, to lose someone like Fabry, I think is is just a, a a terrible blow to the season. And I and I I don't want to put too much on on Fabry necessarily, but I think you know missing him. Uh, will take us from more towards the, the top of the, the league by the end of the year to, to maybe more of the, the middle of the pack. So, um, and I know you'll probably get into this in a bit, but, uh, you know, I can, I can see, a, you know, with him being definitely gone for the entire year, uh, you know, plus the other injuries we have, uh, I, I can see that uh, making, making the playoffs a very uh, dicey proposition for us this year. Yes, uh, I 100% agree. Uh, like I was not trying to downplay uh, Fabry all in the question, but it just seemed like, um, yeah, everybody's expecting they pretty much pen, uh, penciled him in for about you know 20 goals and you know 40 something points probably is what I was thinking. Um, basically, it was a contract year for him too, so you know he's definitely it's another disappointment to him where he was expecting to get that big deal, kind of like. Uh, you know, Pareko and other guys got after their ELC is over, and he won't be able to get that now. Uh, he'll probably get more of a bridge deal. Uh, but hey, his Upshaw, injury history. Hey. Yeah, I mean, you got Scotty Upshaw, who signed. Uh, so that was kind of out of nowhere. And I, I get the move to a degree, but it's one of those things where you see a guy like Fabry and the potential and the scoring and how great he's going to be, only being 21, 22 years old. And you bring in a 34-year-old Scotty Upshaw, um, you know, had a decent amount of goals last year and plays well. And I knows his role, but he's like at this stage of his career, he's a fourth liner slash filling guy. Um, so I understand right. the move. It's, it's not a replacement by, by any yeah. stretch of the imagination. So, and uh, we'll segue into a possible replacement for Fabry uh, blues fans, of course, clamoring for Yarmir Yager uh, nonstop. So the news came out today. Unfortunately, he will be signing with the Calgary flames for a, uh, about $1 million and 1 million in uh, incentives as well. Uh, did come out that Ar- Armstrong did reach out to him as soon as Fabry's uh, injury is confirmed, and they pretty much talked back and forth, him and the agent at least, until this past weekend. And then uh, 
Martin Brodeur, Mike Yo, and Armstrong reached out to Yarmy Yarmy personally, had dialogue with him, and then they were informed late Sunday night uh, that he was not going to join the team. Um, so I think it's more of a, a fit thing. I think once the once Steen comes back, um, and you get a couple more of the guys back, I think he would push down to that third line type role. And who knows if they kind of said, listen, that's where you'll be. And maybe he did, you know, maybe a pride thing. Do you think it would have been a good idea to bring Yarmy Yager in? Or do you think uh, they'd play the kids, as they said? It's been, that's been my theme, at least. It's tough. I, I mean, I I, I kind of hopped on the on the bandwagon, but, you know. It's tough. I, I, mean, I get it, though. He, he would be a fit. Um, it's it's hard to say, you know. Well, he'll probably chip in fifteen goals, and that's you know not not a lot less than than Fabry would probably chip in. But um, you know, that's that's again also on the assumption that that uh, he gets to play his game, which is uh, definitely not defense oriented. Yeah. So it's been a yeah, that's the other thing. Was it a fit? Um, I'm not 100 percent sure. Like I said, everything was there for Yarmiager. I think the hockey sense is still there. The hands are still there. I just the legs are not what we knew Yarmy Yager like five, ten years ago. So that's one of the things where uh, kind of stinks. You know, I understand it, but yeah, it it, it it would have been a risk, but I think it would have been a low risk. I mean, worst worst case scenario, it, it doesn't work out. It was a million bucks, and and you cut the guy, and you've sold a bunch of jerseys, and yeah, and, you get a ton of jerseys. For, like that's our for for the Blues net net. It's you know, uh, it'd be a wash from from a cash standpoint. Um, you know, even if it didn't work out on the ice. Yeah, so uh, definitely would have been a boon for the Blues to sell a bunch of Yarmer Yager jerseys. Uh, just that's the Blues theme, bringing in Hall of Famers at the kind of twilight with you know you have the Gretzky, uh, excuse me, Martin Brother. You have uh, you would have Yarmer Yager possibly. Blues if, at one time could ice the greatest team of all time. If we got every single one of those guys in their prime, it would have been amazing. But right, but as it's just interesting, yeah. It's the Blues where careers go to die. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, Paul Korea, even you want to say that? So, um, so Blues, yeah, the list is yeah. long. Yeah, unfortunately. So we'll get into uh, the Blues as they stand right now. So Blues finished the preseason three and five, uh, kind of up and down preseason, but it seemed like a lot of the regulars really didn't play. Obviously, when they did play, they got hurt. So I think they kind of played uh, more of the minor league lineup for quite some time. So a couple of uh, surprises on today's opening lineups. Uh, so Wade Megan made the team along with Tage Thompson uh, over, uh, I'll say, Sammy Belay did not make the team. He got sent down to San Antonio. Uh, Jake Wallman was sent, down to, was sent up to Chicago. And finally, uh, Vince Dunn made the team. So you gotta think uh, once couple once couple of our injuries are done, you gotta think. Uh, I'm guessing possibly Megan or maybe even Thompson are probably the guys that get sent down. Uh, I was kind of looking at some of Yo's comments today about Thompson saying that he plays well in all three zones. So maybe uh, Blay is just not 100 percent there yet, even though I kind of enjoyed watching him. Uh, so what do you think about some of the guys making the Blues team today? Yeah, it's 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 interesting because you know you try and take the injuries out of the equation, and you know what guys would really have made it, uh, you know, t- taking the, the injured guys out. Um, 
I'm not, I mean, I, I like Thompson. I'm not sure he's ready yet. I, I'd, I'd maybe rather see him as a, as a call up. Um, yeah. I can see a guy like, uh, like Megan being, being a, a guy you want to uh, slot in for some spot duty here and there. Uh, maybe even a Sunquist, but uh, if Thompson's not going to play regularly, uh, I'd, I'd rather see him go somewhere where he's going to play regularly. Um, if, if we're going to see the same uh, mentality that Hitchcock had, which was play the veterans, um, I'm not sure how smart picking this roster was then. Yeah, I, I'm kind of hoping that they play Thompson. That's the reason they kept him up here, because if not, I mean, you might as well you know, play him and put him in San Antonio and uh, let him roll. Uh, Clem Costin got hurt on the last game, so technically he's still on the roster. I know some Blues fans are thinking he made the team. That No, he's, I think he's just up here to make sure he has proper medical care, and then he'll probably get sent down to San Antonio, it looks like, afterwards. And he, right. along with Sammy Blay, will probably be the first two calls forward-wise. I think Sammy Blay will be kind of the uh, – if you need to put somebody in the bottom six, and then if you need somebody for – uh, third line or up, I think it would be Costin possibly as of right now. But we'll see how things go. Uh, I'll go over the lines real quick and tell me. I saw a lot of people not thrilled today about the lines. Uh, Saboka getting well. first line duty. Let's. Uh, I'll just do the highlights real quick. Saboka getting first line duty. Yaskin being your second line right winger. Uh, your third line being PRV, Sunquist, and Thompson. Uh, and then your extras are Barbashev and Megan. So a lot of people were talking how Barbashev was an extra and uh, thought he deserved better. But Yo even called him out on uh, in the media, basically saying he did not have the camp and he's nowhere near where he was last year. So I don't know if it's a conditioning thing or who knows. Uh, so what do you think about the? I don't know if you saw the lineup at all, but what do you think about Savoka being a first liner? Uh, the second that should never happen. Yeah, the, yeah, the second <laughs> line is Schwartz, Shin, and Yaskin. Which is interesting. Uh, like I said, uh, looking at this lineup, man, it's a hard. To, it's definitely a wild card lineup. It's not a. It's at best like it's not. You know, Jake Allen's going to stand on his head, in my opinion. Now, I mean, the, unfortunately, the Fabry thing is really hurt. The the Steen thing really hurts. Um, the lack of right wingers, which I said going into the off season, even with Shen, who could technically play right wing, is going to be a problem. I don't know. What are you feeling yeah, right now about this I'm team? Just, I, I'm not sure what yo is going for keeping Schwartz off the first line um, at, at the minimum I, I would I would swap short Schwartz and Sabotka. Um but yeah. even beyond that I would I would probably drop Sabotka down to the third line get rid of PRB altogether um, and do you think when Steen comes back is that his somewhere. spot you think do you think that's Steen spot possibly, or do you think it's Yaskin who's holding on the Steen, Steen spot on the uh, second line? Because they raved about Yaskin's uh, and he had a decent preseason, but man, we've seen the flashes before. Yeah, but right, that that's just the thing. I mean, I, I think it's wishful thinking. I think he's had a number of years to to prove himself, and I get some guys are late bloomers, but uh, uh, I'll be shocked if uh, if we see anything more out of Yaskin than, than we've we've seen in, in previous years. Uh, I mean, you may be right that uh, you know maybe maybe the theory is he's he's holding that spot down for Steen, um, and, and he wants to get chemistry with Schwartz on that second line. Um, I, I don't know; it's probably not the way I'd play it, but uh, I guess that's why I'm I'm not getting the big bucks to to coach a uh, an NHL team. Yeah, so it's it's kind of interesting. So 
uh, we'll wrap it up real quick and just tell me, I guess, your general predictions, I guess, if you want to see where do the Blues finish in the division, and then also do the Blues make the playoffs this year? And if they make the playoffs, I guess, by the way they finish in division, you can tell me where you think they're going to get a spot in the division or maybe a wild card. What do you think? Yeah, I, 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 I really see us as a, as a wild card. Um, I, I'm, I think it's going to be a, f- a fight down to the last, last day. Um, if we don't get any, any more top-line talent, um, it's going to be tough. Uh, if we get any more in- injuries, it's going to be tough. Uh, you know, we're already down, and, and I've never been a you know, Berglund lover, although he's, he's – shit list a little bit um but but you know i just say we're gonna miss him i mean we're we're gonna miss him um so you know you throw berglund steen fabry uh San, sanford isn't quite as as big a deal for me but uh yeah know, i think he was missing. he's penciled in there but not not on a uh, high roll like you said i mean right, maybe we're having right. a fourth liner this year at least you know so we're gonna start behind the eight ball um who knows what injuries are going to happen, you know, but between now and then, uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I see the blues maybe coming in as, is the last wild card and possibly not, not making the playoffs. Um, unless we have a couple of guys have some career years, uh, you know, Stastny, uh, being the guy we hoped he'd been for his entire contract. Um, you know, Tarasenko pot in 60, uh, you know, sure. even Saboka, you know, uh, raising it up. I mean, we're we're gonna need uh, need some guys to step up and uh, j- just to, just to make the playoffs this year. Yep, I think it's gonna be an interesting year to say the least. Uh, I think the transition thing was what they kept pushing last year. I think this is gonna be even more of a transitional year. It had that big run last year that kind of helped push them into the playoffs and give fans a little bit of hope with Jake Allen having an amazing uh, second half there. But um, yeah, I think Jake Allen's gonna have to play very well. Uh, I think Tage Thompson's gonna have to be a solid, if he stays with the team the whole year, he's going to have to be at least a 15-goal scorer, at least, you know, to help this team out and solidify that third line, a right winger there. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe even Dimitri Askin does the same thing. You're going to have to need something like that. Maybe playing with somebody like Shen and uh, Schwartz will help elevate him. Maybe that will help. Um, one can hope. Uh, also, speaking of Shen, you're going to need oh, him to kind of be – you need him to be kind of like what he was last year, be 25-goal guy. You're going to need that, even if he's center or goes to right wing. Uh, like you said, Dasney, I think, needs to have a pretty decent year to show how good he's doing. And I, I can think, yeah. I can see Tarasenko getting a good 40. To, I'd say he's in the 40 to 50 realm for me. I think he's going to be consistent there. I think on a good year, he'll get close to 50. Average year, he'll be in the four, uh, low 40s or maybe high 30s at the worst. So we'll see how it goes. So, um I'll tell everybody how to get a hold of you on a Twitter, what your Twitter handle is. Uh, it is at Mr. Blues Hat. Uh, that, that is the new one. As you mentioned, that is the uh, replacement for uh, what was Hitch's Hat uh, and then Ghost of Hitch's Hat, but is now Mr. Blues Hat. Wanted, wanted to keep the, uh, the hat moniker. It's what people know, kind of the, kind of the shorthand people call me by. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted to work something in there like that, and and uh, after searching Twitter and you know finding some things that uh, weren't available, uh, that's what I settled on, Mister okay. Blues Hat. Mister Blues Hat. Well, I appreciate you coming on, Hat, and uh, hopefully I'll probably hopefully maybe see you at the game. We'll know know if I'll see you or not, but we'll uh, we'll try maybe try to meet up uh, during a game this year. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, thanks for coming on. 
and uh, talk to you soon. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. And we're back with another segment on our Blues Roundtable here, so you're probably tired to hear me saying that by now. So now we're joined by Jeff Jones uh, of, I say of many ilk, so uh, I know from St. Louis Game Time especially, um, and you guys had the morning show for a while going on 590, uh, right? Correct? I did 590, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay, thank you. All right. Yeah, and, and then uh, – as well. Yes, and yeah. then also um, – and now you're on another podcast. I don't have it in front of me, unfortunately. So let's fill everybody okay. in aware right now. Yeah, no, I, uh, I I host the St. Louis Live Wake Up Hour from 6 to 7 on 920. And then I produce St. Louis Live from 7 to 10. And then We Are Live is the Uncensored Podcast. So awesome. Uh, and then at the end of the podcast, at the end of this, excuse me, at the end of this, I just let everybody know how to, how to listen to that and uh, how to get a hold of you as well. So let's get into kind of what we've been doing so far. So basically that what happened at the end of the blues season, the blues end on a down note, once again, eliminated in the second round by Nashville predators who go on to represent the West and losing the Stanley cup finals. So blues needed some, I would say definitely retooling to say the least. Yep. Um, so they kind of go out there and do a couple of things, which uh, the biggest thing being uh, no free agent signings. So that we didn't, didn't need that. Definitely. There's nobody really out there that could help the blues. I think, uh, so they did it trade-wise, which I was very surprised on how Armstrong pulled these deals off. So the first one is the Braden Shen trade. Uh, Braden Shen comes to the Blues from the Philadelphia Flyers for uh, Yori Laterra and two first-round picks, one in the last draft, 2017 draft, and one in 2018. Right. Uh, so uh, you, I believe you were actually at the draft, correct, if I remember? Um, yeah, so uh, so let's, uh, what are your thoughts on that uh, trade? So the two trades, that trade plus the Reeves trade to Pittsburgh, are interrelated in my mind uh, because the second first-round pick, which the Blues had, which they ended up getting back from Pittsburgh in order to draft Clint Costin, I think is a key part of that exchange. Uh, dumping the dumping the Laterra contract was important for the Blues, but I don't know that they would have been willing to make that trade if they didn't know they already had the Reeves trade lined up as well. I, I think that once they were confident that Costin would be there at 31, uh, as opposed to, I think it was, what, maybe 24 was the pick they yeah. ended up in Philadelphia, then I think that they were able to, to make that deal uh, and, you know, both ship out a bad contract and bring in a usable asset. Yeah, so, um, and Shen is definitely an upgrade over Laterra, to say the least. Yeah. Uh, as evidenced by today, where it came down uh, for what I got from uh, a couple of Philly bloggers, that it came down to him and Matt Reed making making the team. Ooh. Not even and and making the team, he made the fourth line, which is saying something. Uh, it's yeah, and you know, Philly's in a difficult cap situation, and it's doubly difficult because I guess last night Shane Gostisbehere was hurt, and they're not sure if they're going to have to carry an extra defenseman or not, so it leaves them in a difficult spot, but. Yeah, for the Blues to take a guy who will be on their first power play unit and be able to acquire him for a guy who barely made the Flyers, who are probably not a playoff team, the draft picks aside, it says a lot. Yeah, like I said, the Blues are at the point where we're not in the rebuild anymore, where having that first-round pick is not as essential as it used to be. Uh, nice to have where you got to keep having that young talent come in that's uh, cheaper to produce and signing, you know, 
big name players. Uh, but still, it's if you're drafting well in the second, third, fourth, fifth round, having the first round pick is nice. It's almost a luxury at that point. So uh, I think it's nice that uh, you're able to not almost worry when you trade a first round pick compared to maybe five, six years ago when we did trade the first round pick. Yeah, it was, uh, it, was it was very interesting uh, because, like I said, I was at the draft that day, and so I I walked down to the draft floor at the conclusion of the first round, and just walked up to Doug Armstrong and said, "Hey, Doug, mind if we talk?" And he was happy to talk. Good for him. Uh, and the, the, the conversation with him was about how interrelated those two moves were that, mm-hmm. that in order to be comfortable giving up that pick, essentially to burn a Laterra contract, you have to burn a first round pick. And in order for them to be comfortable with that, uh, the Pittsburgh deal was sort of a prerequisite and that being able to acquire Costin, essentially Costin this year makes up for whatever the player may have been in the first round next year. And if this year were to go very poorly, that first round pick is top 10 protected. So in yeah. the absolute worst case scenario, you're at least not turning over a lottery pick to the Flyers. Yeah. So, which is nice. Um, so like you said, getting cost in, I think is definitely key to the whole thing. And also I want to give you a uh, props too, from what I remember, because I have pretty decent memory on things. Um, you were tweeting early in the draft, how the pro scouts from, uh, Pittsburgh and Philly were talking to Armstrong and some of the blues table very early on in the draft, like early in the first round. Yeah. And some people just kind of threw it away or whatever, like, Oh, whatever, you know, but now you kind of like a little self-satisfaction for you. I'll say like oh, you come sure. back and you see well, that, uh, you know, that, a lot of that stuff does end up being meaningless, right? Like Lord knows how many conversations they have without yeah. it coming to fruition. Uh, but if you, if you've never been to the draft, I would definitely suggest going next year's is in Dallas. So relatively easy travel wise from St. Louis. Uh, it is really cool just to watch the entire process, right? Like the GM meetings, for example, happen behind closed doors. And so you don't see GMs as they like walk from person to person and have the conversation. Like, that's in the open of the draft. The draft tables are in the they're on the floor in the middle of the arena, and so you can easily see these guys as they talk and walk back and forth. Or in the case of poor Bob Murray from Anaheim, when their chair falls out from under them and he <laughs> and falls on his falls on his rear on the draft floor. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, because I think I was at the draft when they were here in St. Louis, ninety five, ninety six, ninety six, and oh, Marty Reasoner was the first round pick for the Blues. So that was a, that time, the whole the whole arena was chanting Marty. I remember I was like, "Oh, this kid's gonna be awesome!" And that was my ninth Marty. birthday. I got to see Chris Phillips picked first overall. Yeah, I met him in the hallway. Actually, they were all in the hallway just yeah. hanging out, and I got his autograph. So that's, that's, the, was- that's the other cool part of the draft experience is everyone's family just is there in the stands, like, and the players are there, and it's it's, it's a very it's a very cool experience. Yeah, so definitely a cool thing. So let's move a little forward to preseason now. So I keep yeah. saying there's two kind of themes so far in the preseason: injuries yeah. and youth. Uh, so yeah. kind of uh, obviously unexpectedly, uh, Robbie Fabry is out for the year. A huge blow to the Blues, in my opinion. No, sure. Uh, uh, Alexander Steen hurt early on, thanks to Antoine Roussel. Uh, Jay Bowmeister has a fractured ankle, um, mm-hmm. not making him any better because of like he's already kind of, you don't notice, not as fast as he used to be. So having a fractured ankle is not early in the season is not going to help the process. Yeah, another Hopefully. lower body injury for Bowmeister is really bad news for a guy who's so much of its effectiveness comes out of his mobility. The mobility has already been compromised, and now it is really in bad shape. Yeah, a guy who was an Ironman for many years, uh, first couple of years with Blues, he was fine. And then the last couple of years have been really tough on him uh, injury-wise, so missing a decent chunk of games. 
Uh, like I said, lower body stuff. I remember Hannah was hamstring a couple years ago. And- yeah, he had a groin as well that was sort of that, that stretched out for a while. And I mean, and basically burned an entire year. The year he dropped from like 35 points to 15 points, that mm-hmm. year was the result. I mean, it was just the result of those muscle injuries making him, you know, it took his burst away and made him not effective moving the puck. Yep. And uh, I always thought him skating backwards. And I remember Pang always saying, oh, he skates better backwards than he does forwards, this kind of thing he always said. And not having the mobility is definitely a thing that's yeah. a huge part of his game. So, um, so Robbie Fabry, in my opinion, the, unfortunately the Blues do not have somebody to really kind of step in and take that spot and really fill in. They have guys that you hope do that, obviously. Right. Um, they try to rely on it early on. I think uh, the big surprise in camp was uh, setting the play of Sammy Blay. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Thompson, I think, one, looked okay. Yeah, I think. From, from day one of camp, you walk in. And he's on a line with Tarasenko and Stastny, and you're looking around, going, "Why? Like, what? Like, what is there? You know, uh, he had a good year in Chicago last year. He's a guy who you heard organizational types mention kind of early in the spring, in the summer, like, "Hey, this guy had a big year." And you're going, "Yeah, all right." I mean, he was a sixth round pick, and he scored a bunch of AHL goals. Like, mm-hmm. for that to translate doesn't happen often, but he had a consistently good camp. Yeah, which is uh, nice to see when you get a guy that's drafted so late being yeah. an effective NHL player. So that's that's what you rely on your scouting department to do. And when you find guys like that, makes a makes a coach's job a lot easier. Yeah, for sure. You have injuries. So um basically the, let's go into Hannah what shook out today, I guess. Yeah. So the the opening lineup, the uh, opening night lineup is released. A couple surprises. We just talked about Sammy Blay and you think we would make the team. Um you brought up a very good point today. So um uh, let you go into that point today why potentially uh, Blay was uh, sent to the minors compared to Tage Thompson, who made the team. Yeah, so the deal with with Blay and Thompson is that between the two, there's about a two hundred and fifty thousand dollars difference in their cap hit. I think Tom, off the top of my head, Thompson's like nine twenty five, and Blay is like six seventy five, somewhere in that vicinity. Uh, in order to get the maximum relief from long term injured reserve, i.e for Fabry, for Sanford, and for Patrick Berglund, the team needs to be as close to the cap as possible when the rosters are set. The reason that's true is that your long-term relief is based on how much your overage is, right? And so in the case of Sanford, Fabry, Berglund, to get full value out of that long-term reserve, that's something in the nature of like something in the neighborhood of $4.6 million in overage they could get if they are as close to the cap as possible on the day that rosters are set. So for that reason, uh, yesterday I thought that it might make sense for them to make that move where Thompson starts the, starts the season, starts the season in the NHL and, and boy in the AHL. Now today in practice, uh, given the way that the line shook out and given the things that Mike Yo had to say about Tage Thompson, I am less confident that that's the case because Yo was talking about Thompson in terms of the way he filled out the lineup and why he was a better fit. So if that's the case, like there wouldn't be a reason for Yo to talk about Thompson in that way if he wasn't actually making the team. So I, I am not as confident today as I was yesterday that that was the reason why Blay would have gone down and Thompson stayed here. Yeah, but it's a very good point, though, and that's something I didn't even consider uh, thinking about. So the exact quote that uh, Yo said on not keeping Blay, you lose a couple of guys – and it puts increased focus and urgency on some guys to step up and be ready. Just because you have that void doesn't mean they're going to be ready, which I thought was interesting because they were, yeah. they pretty much, like you said, kind of raved about him, but maybe just not 100% NHL ready, I guess you could say. 
Well, there, there, there are, are two things that I wonder about here. Number one, uh, Blay gets hit in that Washington game by Tom Wilson, goes through concussion protocol and comes out fine and finishes the game. But you wonder if maybe there's not some residual soreness, right? Like back stuff, muscle stuff, maybe something like that, that, that they're not talking about that would be a reason for him to go down. Uh, the other thing I wonder, and when the Yager thing started to gain steam, after Fabry was injured, I didn't buy it. Like, to listen to Armstrong talk about it, to me, sounded like a guy who was trying to leave the options open. But apparently, the I mean, the interest was real, at least to the extent that they made an offer and, they, you know, they were in the race. And so I wonder if, if in a world where they sign Yager and they have him for that second power play unit, if that makes Thompson less necessary because you don't need him for the power play because Yager is there. No Yager means there's a hole on that second power play unit, and Thompson is better for that than play. Yeah, that's a good point, though. So, yeah, because Yo says, uh, for speaking of Thompson, if he's in the defensive zone, he's aware. Offensive in the offensive zone, he's involved. That's why he's here today. Yeah, so, uh, I I thought that essentially throughout camp, I would say that Tage had higher highs than Sammy Blaze. Sammy Blaze did. I, I'm going to keep saying Blaze all year long. Tage had higher highs, but I think Blay was more consistent. Like, he was consistently on the puck on the forecheck. Uh, he made a really nice play in the Washington game, but a takeaway away from Brooks Orpik, which everyone takes the puck away from Brooks Orpik. He made a nice mm-hmm. play in that game to find Shen on the power play to set him up for a power play goal. Uh, but Thompson, I mean, you see it. Like, you see the flashes of when he can really use the size, when the shot is strong. I, I totally get why the ceiling is perceived to be higher for Tage Thompson. He just was, to me, less consistent and wore down a little as camp went on. Okay, so it'll be interesting to see how he shakes out. He is filling out on the third line right now with Sunquist and Payarvi. So that's be yeah. Apparently, that's a line that uh, uh, Yo is very high on. And said so the last couple of games, those guys have gelled really well, and is really he likes how they're yeah. playing. The game in Kansas City, I thought I thought Oscar Sunquist played very well. Uh, Yo said that night he thought he was the best forward on the ice. That is possibly true just because the team did not play very well that night. Uh, the Magnus Payarvi thing, it, it is what it is, right? Mm-hmm. And Yashkin as well on the second line today uh, with Sabotka and – or with, I'm sorry, with Schwartz and Shen today mm-hmm. on the second line for Yashkin. Uh, I, don't, I don't get that either. Like, I yeah. – I don't do you think know. the Yaskin thing is a – do you think Yaskin or Payarvi is the placeholder for Steen? I think Yaskin. Or even Savoka. I, I, think, I think Yaskin is the placeholder for Steen for now. Uh, it, it, it surprised me that we didn't see more of Sabotka and Tarasenko early in camp, right? Like Because, so, for example, we talked about Blay being on that line with Tarasenko and Stassi on the first day of camp. Sabotka was on a line, I believe, with Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo on that first day. I think so, so too. It, it, it makes a lot of sense. You could just sort of flip Blay and Sabotka, and then, oh, I see it now, right? But that didn't happen. Like, we didn't see a Sabotka, Tarasenko, Schwartz, or Stasky grouping at any point during camp until today. Uh, so it surprised me to not see that earlier. It made me think that they were going to go away from it. Yeah, so it's a little interesting. So uh, injuries uh, going to play a factor this year. Definitely yeah. Berglund being out for a while. Obviously Fabry out for um, the season. Yeah. Um, hopefully no lingering effects for uh, Steen and Bowmeister, and they are healed when they come back. Because if they rush back, then I I just don't want somebody to be 85% the second game of the year. It's like just 
the good news with Steen is that he's been skating. Like he's been skating mm-hmm. consistently before practice. And with a hand injury, you at least can you can keep your legs fresh and, and the comeback is a little quicker. Uh, it would not surprise me to see Steen back after the weekend. Both yeah. is a whole different is a whole different can of worms because there there's no way to know how well he's healing and what is how his legs are feeling and even how effective he is when he comes back. So yeah, that that I don't know. But I thought uh, about me, sir. I was expecting November. Honestly, when I heard fractured, I was like, just send to November, just because there's no point to bring him back when he's 85 percent and still sore to kind of skate. It's like just let him heal 100 percent. I know that that neither of them, neither of them required surgery. Uh, I've not seen Jay Bo Meester around at all, so I have no idea if he's booted or casted or whatever's going on with him. Um, so, I, it, yeah, it is really hard to imagine that, you know, because I, I think it was it was a hairline fracture. Like Yo said, he took a puck off of it, right? So it wasn't a serious break. But, it, it's yeah, you're right. It's really hard to imagine him being back and really effective within three weeks. Yeah, so I'm kind of curious to see how it shakes out. So... We talked about injuries, uh, youth, obviously, uh, Wade Megan making the team was definitely a huge surprise as well. A guy I came yeah. in surprised. So, uh, he played very well from one of the couple games that I saw, uh, yeah. definitely a guy to be in the conversation for that, uh, fourth line kind of, um, hard, aggressive four checking type guy. Can we put yeah. in, you know, a handful of goals a year, which would be nice. And, I mean, and he's younger too, which is nice too. Yeah. The thing with Megan too, is that the ceiling is only so high. So if he sits mm-hmm. in the press box for 40 games, you don't feel that bad about it, right? Like that's, yeah. that's not a guy who you're planning, you know, as opposed to a Thompson or a Blay or even a Barbashev guys that you really want to see develop. When Megan sits, it's like, eh, okay. You know, it, it doesn't really, there's not much negative. Mm-hmm. For that. And uh, speaking of Barbashev, he was kind of a little called out today by uh, Yo, basically saying yeah. he is not the player he was uh, during what he was last season. So that's why he was the extra today. He wasn't even in the lineup. Yeah. Uh, uh, so who knows what's Barbershop, gonna happen there. The Barbershop thing to me is interesting because I I don't evaluate players well enough during camp. Like sorry. Uh, man, yeah. I, I I don't evaluate players well enough, I guess, in drills to be able to identify uh when a guy is or is not having a strong camp. When I saw Barbashev in game situations, to me he looked like Ivan Barbashev. Now he also was never really put in a position, to me, to, to, to show off his skill set, right? Like he played shifts with Thorburn and Brodziak, or he would play uh, with, like, he played with Kostin and McEachern for a while. There were these weird combinations with Barbashev where it didn't seem like you were going to see the best of him because he wasn't being put in the best possible spot. Yeah, I thought him and Costin looked really well, but I knew that was a thing that wasn't going to stick because I really I like yeah. Clem Costin, but it's a guy I expected to definitely be in the AHL this year, unless yeah, he but, had like ten goals in the preseason or something. Where you the, the Sunday scrimmage day when Barbashev and Costin played together, they yeah, were they looked great. They were yeah, they were they, they looked fantastic. They were the best line on the ice, and frankly, like that was the day where I think the Bo Bennett thing went kaput. Like the Bennett Sunquist Payarvi line on that day looked awful. Uh, and Bennett was just sort of slow and an anchor, and that was, I think, the day where he kind of was like, all right, like, we know what we have here. Yeah, so uh, interesting times ahead for the Blues, for sure. So um, I've been basically asking people, what do you think, how the season's going to play out, uh, where the Blues, where do you think the Blues are going to finish? I mean, obviously you can't super predict that stuff's going to happen throughout the year, right. but 
as of today, you see in this lineup, you kind of seeing how things are going. Where do you think the Blues will finish, and are they a playoff team? So you talked about the injuries and the youth being the two storylines of camp. The third one that is harder to evaluate and that people think I'm being a chicken little about is the goaltending because Jake Allen's numbers are bad in the preseason. Uh, now, you know, the explanation you get from the team and the explanation you've heard from folks on social media is that the full team hasn't played in front of him yet. And so give him some time and maybe he's working on this, that, and the other. I can accept all of those things, except that when Jake is playing poorly, the reliable tell is that he's bad on the glove side. Like that, mm-hmm. the, the glove side, basically from shoulder to hip, he, when he's weak there, his game is suffering. The Connolly goal, the fourth goal that Washington scored on Sunday, was exactly there. It was a wrist shot from like between the dot and the top of the circle that kind of fluttered that beat him waist high on the glove side. And there were a couple other plays as well where he was not, or throughout the preseason, he wasn't squeezing the puck well. Like rebounds, he was dropping pucks that were getting out in front of them. So I, I think the Allen story could quietly be like a major concern because if he comes out of the gate playing the way he has played, then the first month of the season probably looks pretty bad for the Blues because I don't think that this team has constituted scores a lot of goals, right? Like as happy, like, okay, we're glad we have Vladimir Sabotka back. He's on the first line right now. That's mm-hmm. a problem. Like Dmitry Ashkin scored once in 51 games last year. He is on the second line right now. Uh, so if you ask me today, do I think they're a playoff team? Uh, I think it's like 53-47 no. Uh, I, I think that it can break the right direction for this team. And you know what? I I, I recorded – so I, I pre-recorded my radio show with Brad Lee from St. Louis Game Time last week, and we were talking about like, hey, name somebody on the team who might be in contention for an award at the end of the season. And I said that Tage Thompson could be a Calder finalist. If that happens, then that's probably pretty good news because that means that he scored – 25 or 30 goals this season. Uh, and I think that that's possible. I don't think it's likely, but I think that it's certainly possible. Mm-hmm. So if if Tage is able to replace the goal scoring that you thought you were going to get from Fabry and the team is able to weather this first month where Steen is getting up to speed and Thompson's getting used to the NHL and this, that, and the other, then yeah, sure, maybe. But they're not going to be able to deal with stretches where the goaltending is bad and they're not scoring. And I'm a little yeah. afraid that that's how they're going to start the season. Yeah, I started them off as uh, – I think when we recorded everybody last week, I think I put them in second or third place in the division. Right. Because uh, I was expecting uh, – honestly, I'm expecting fall-off finally from Chicago and Nashville. I agree with that. So I, I expect that, that I expect that to be a little more falling off than I people think. think. I but, think the Blues are probably closer to a third or fourth place. I think Dallas is going to be very good. Uh, I'm not totally convinced that Nashville is re- is a huge fall off candidate. Like I understand the rationale behind it. No Ryan Ellis and Renee is sort of iffy, but they did put together a fantastic run at the end of last season. And I think that they're still going to be strong. Uh, and even a Chicago team that's falling off is probably right still around good. 90. Still good. Oh, I, yeah, it's hard to predict. Uh, and expecting that's, a one year to happen, that's though. Not even so. Minnesota, right? Like that's mm-hmm. just mentioning Minnesota. That's not mentioning Winnipeg. Like you know, Winnipeg, you you sort of laugh them off, but Steve Mason has played well enough in stretches to get teams to the playoffs uh, yeah. throughout his career. And Patrick Laine is real good. 
Like, like, mm-hmm. like watching Line A is like watching 19-year-old Ovechkin. I don't know that Line A develops into 25-year-old Ovechkin, but yeah. the similarity between teenage game, yeah, is remarkable. And yeah. so, you know, going down the, like, there aren't really bad teams in this division. Uh, and, and I would say the Blues may be more likely to finish last in this division than first. And I don't know that either is likely, especially with Colorado at the bottom of the Central. But I, until these pieces start to come together, I'm not totally sure that this is really a reliable playoff team. Yeah, I, uh, I haven't, like I said, at number two, but with injuries and kind of just seeing how things are progressing, I said a wild card team. Yeah, um, I mean, so, it, it, I mean, it's gonna be a battle, though. It's gonna be a battle because our division is tough. At the end of the day, like I kind of think Winnipeg is on paper they're pretty darn good. Like if 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 Mason can play well, I think they actually have a pretty decent team that could, uh, you know, push the Blues. And they, the Blues did not they didn't play them well last year, so I really think they're. Uh, and like I said, Dallas has improved at least on paper, you know, and they had Hitch there, so who knows? You know, he has a. The magic turnaround that he always does. The hitch track record is pretty strong. Like, say what you want about how quickly the act wears out. In year one, it's usually pretty good. Yeah. So, and like I said, a bishop that can not get injured and get past his injury. He had that hip. Everything he tore his hip. He really hasn't been the same. Right. Um, If he gets by that, I think they're uh, they're could be in trouble. And because Dallas, I think, has a decent shot of uh, getting run for the money. And say what you want about playing in the Hitch's system, but a line of Radulov, Sagan, and Ben is really good. Like, that is a lot of score. Like, you know, those those three guys combined could easily put up 100 goals this season. Yeah, it's going to be a tough one. So, uh, like I said, um be a tough one for the Blues this year. So, uh, if people want to get a hold of you or listen to you or whatever that you – any kind of form that you have, uh, let's let people know how to get a hold of you. So you can listen to St. Louis Live. It's on 920 a.m. And we stream at weareliveradio.com. That is 6 to 10 every Monday through Friday. Uh, the podcast is there as well. Or search for St. Louis Live on iTunes. Uh, I'm on Twitter at JM Jones. I lucked out. I got Twitter real early, so I scoped my name <laughs> for the very simplest part of it. Uh, otherwise, you can read me in game time. I will be in the, uh, the, the first issue of St. Louis game time will be out on the streets on Saturday, $4, tip your vendor. We will be uh, happy to see all of you there. It's it's the only program sold at Scott Trade Center, unless they have one new this year. They didn't have a game day program last year, so if you want nope. one, got to be game time. Yeah, and I, like I said, I always love getting game time. Uh, and I have an email form usually, so in yeah. case I can't get to the games. And it's, like I said, I love the stats section of some of the stats that are kept on a like weekly basis, like how the Blues do on Tuesday or how they play during a day game, just like random stuff like that. That's where I dig in and kind of really enjoy. I like I like the ref stats page. I like the yeah. uh, penalty kills and the win loss of referees. So yeah, so little stuff like that I always appreciate because I'm always I'm a big uh, like stat nerd and stuff like that to see how things play out. So right on. Once, yeah, once again, I appreciate it uh, coming oh, on. Especially on short notice tonight, uh, so I appreciate it. So um, yeah, we're gonna. Uh, Hopefully, maybe do – I'll try to do this a little more often with people. So, yeah. hopefully, uh, if you want to jump on another time, I'd be glad I to have you. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. All right. Well, thanks for coming on, Jeff. Yeah, thank you very much.